All right, everybody, welcome to the Wisdom of the Warrior podcast, where we embrace the warrior spirit in the modern day world. I am joined today by Mac and Simizer, Mac the Menace, former WEC fighter and UFC fighter, now Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt and owner of a new gym. Welcome to the show, my friend. Don't forget, overall nice guy. Overall nice guy. I can't forget that most important thing. <laughs> nice guy. Yeah. We know I've known Mac for a couple of years. Man, the first time I met you, I saw you at a tournament in Richmond. Mm-hmm. Grappling tournament. You had actually beat one of my guys. We were like, who the hell is this Mackins dude yeah. coming out here? Um, I guess you had come from like a wrestling background. Was that correct? Yeah. Well, yeah, kind of. Um, so I was wrestling like from like early on when I was a kid in high school and stuff like that. And then... Um, what ended up happening was I was training with uh, some guys, actually like Phil Wyman, um, and some guys down in uh, Northwest. I was in Marine Corps with, actually, and this is like 2004 or something, 2003, 2004. We were training, and we used to get together in the gym, and like Phil knew a couple moves, and this is back like in the DVD days, so <laughs> guys like DVDs from like um, com and like... Jungle Fever and Artist Suave 1 and 2, and we were watching all that stuff and then just going out and doing the techniques on each other basically on the wrestling mat. Mm-hmm. And Phil had done some training before, and we just started getting into doing tournaments. And um, I think about that time, probably about the time the tournament you're speaking of, or around about that time, I was training at Lynx. I just started training at Lynx, and we had like a little killer crew of blue belts, and uh, we just go around and doing what we do. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, Mac and, uh, well, Phil trained with me for a little while when he was still fighting Mm -hmm. and uh, he had told me about who you were and uh, you guys had a whole group of Marines that were fighting like uh, Pale Horse, Mike. Yeah, we had Mike Smith. He was fighting. He was doing really well beating people up. We had uh, Willa Sheen. Mm -hmm. He was fighting. He was doing well. And this is like, what was that? Man, I can't remember the name of that promotion. It was a real popular promotion around. I can't remember. It was in the ring. King of the Ring? There was King of the Ring that was in uh, uh, Virginia, and then Richmond. There was a uh, yes. the ring of what was it Excalibur that turned into the combat sports. Yeah. So yeah, those guys. Yeah, those, we were doing those tournaments. Well, those guys were fighting. I wasn't fighting them. I would just help them train and stuff. You know, I was really young too, so I was just like as much training as I could get. I was doing. That's just what I did for fun. So yeah, we had a couple guys, man, and everyone was still doing well. Everyone was still doing really well and kicking butt. So it was, it was cool. Yeah. So when you, you you're from Florida, but where are you originally? Your family and everything from? Well, my my, my I was born in Miami, um, and both my parents are um, Haitian immigrants. Okay. But me and my brothers are like we're like first generation, so we're all born in the states and stuff. Um, but our whole I say most of my dad's family and some of my mom's family live in the states. We still have people living in Haiti. Majority of our mother's family not. Nah, Majority of, but of the two, more of my mom's family than my dad's family lives in, still lives in Haiti. Um, yeah, but it's like, I mean, it's a huge, like Miami, I want to say Miami, New York, and Boston, or I don't say Miami, but like South Florida itself, New York, New Jersey, Boston are big areas for um, incoming Haitian immigrants that are, have real strong communities there. Um, so we just end up in Miami, luckily, because I, I wouldn't want to live in Boston or New York with the cold. Yeah, that, that forget that. Yeah. that noise <laughs> okay. so you 
what was your first experience with combat sports? Was it wrestling? Did you come from a wrestling background? Yeah. Yeah, I was wrestling. Yeah, both my uncles wrestled. My dad's uh, younger brothers, they both wrestled. And I was always at my grandmother's house. So I was always um, running behind them and following, trying to do what my uncle does. And they played football. One of my uncles played basketball, and he uh, wrestled. And he, in turn, got my other uncle into wrestling. But my family were big combat sports fans. Like, I used to watch all of, you know, boxing growing up. And, of course, like, WWF, like, you know, the um, entertainment, you know, side of, you know, I don't know, stuntman wrestling, I guess you can call it. But we were very much into combat sports, fighting, and all that stuff. Like, I watched the first year of season when I was a kid. We had, like, one of those hook-up cable boxes yeah. to watch anything. And I remember this camera, and I was like, what the hell? I was like that. And I was a little kid, you know. I was probably, like, 12, 13. I was young, really young. I was like, it's crazy. Those people, are, I was like, this doesn't even make sense. <laughs> like, Bloodsport used to be my favorite movie. And I was like, this is nothing like, I was like, kind of looks like Bloodsport, but I don't know. Like, these fight scenes aren't put together well. So I realized it was real. I just thought it was just like, you know, some bad acting. I was like, is that real? All that blood? I was like, I don't know. But yeah, but I started off wrestling. And I wrestled all the way through high school, a little bit after high school, doing like club wrestling and stuff like that. And then, um... I didn't want to go to college. Like, I, I wasn't really thinking about going to school. Even though I was, a couple of my friends were supposed to go to school in um, Chicago to go wrestle. Mm. And I was like, uh, I don't know. And I ended up joining the Marine Corps and end up, um, then I didn't want to go to Marine Corps anymore. Everyone was like, time to go. I was like, ah, I don't even want to go. And then I ended <laughs> up going. Like, the morning of, guy comes pick me up. I'm like, all right, you know, and I go. But, um, yeah, so I started, I started wrestling and then got into boxing and, then, you know, Kind of work my way up the up the ladder, I guess. Yeah, and so you, I guess, was your actual martial arts experience? Did you go through the whole Micmaps program for the Marine Corps as well? Is I did, I did go through. Yeah, I did go through that program. But before it was Micmap, I was already in, and it was just um, it's called thing called line training, and then they called it something else. Like I don't remember the exact name to be honest with you, but I remember at a time where it was like we used to do like basically martial arts. So we go fight. And I remember once we were in, uh, this when I was stationed in Yorktown, Virginia, the second fast company, guys were like, um, all right, you know, they started kind of picking, like picking guys are like, you against you, you against you, you against you. And we're like in the field, which means we're like out in the sticks, out in the woods and not doing much of anything. And like, okay, you guys fight. And I remember it was like, and I was very passive. Like I was the like person, like I really didn't want to like, I didn't want to, pretend to fight or play fights. I was really serious and somebody, you know, get all mad and start from for us. I was like, I don't know. It's like, come on, come on. So I was like, okay, whatever. And the guy reaches out for me and I when I was in high school I had a really good arm drag. So I arm dragged the guy and as he comes by me, I grab him, boom, rear naked choke and choke the life out of him. <laughs> and uh, I remember my uh squally, he was looking at me like, What? Like he didn't believe that I had him, you know, and, and then Post that, then it was like now everybody. So I had to like you know fight like twelve dudes. You know what I mean? Like I'm strangling like everybody in the class and end up doing the McMahon program. But way later down the line, I think it was like 2004 when Action McMahon came. Well, it came around before that when I got introduced to it and I was getting going through the belting system. And uh, so I was beating up the instructors, and he would get so mad. He was like, "You know what? You can beat me, but I'm never gonna stop trying." And cause we used to do like body sparring, and I was already boxing already. You know, I was, at the time it was uh, beach boxing. Uh, Pete Yates, it was Pete Yates and uh, uh, Machine were down there. Yeah, um, Rob Mackney, yeah, yeah. 
So uh, we would uh, go down there. I would go down there. And this was like 2001. So by the time 2004, I have already been boxing for three, four years. And then now we're doing this, like, just body sparring. I was like, oh, this is easy. And I'm just beating guys up. And we go grapple. And I would just be strangling them. Like, they would, I would just out-wrestle them, get to good positions, and then just do the moves they showed me. And I was like, you know, hitting guys with Americanas and choking them. And it was cool. But I still was, wasn't a fan of, like, mixed martial arts at that particular time. What was it about it you weren't down with? You didn't like the sport just, of it at all or just wasn't interested? Oh, it just, it just, it just looks so vicious. <laughs> it just looks so extreme. I was like, oh, man. I, I was like, dude, I don't know. Like, I'm thinking all the way until, I mean, even post going through that, um, I was still, like, not very, not bitten by, I just thought it was too, I thought it was too much. I thought, I was like, this is crazy. Like, these guys are, like, punching them. And this is pre-Zufa um, Zufa, um, purchase of it. it. was, like, the old stuff of the stuff I was watching, like, where were no weight classes and all this other craziness. And I remember at that time, I was probably, like, 100 and maybe 50 pounds. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm not getting in the cage with some big 300-pound sumo guy. I mean, like, crush me. Like, I'm not putting myself in that position. Right. So, you know, then, you know, Zufa buys it, and they start doing these different things. I remember watching uh, BJ Penn versus uh, Jens Pulver. I was watching B- I was watching a lot of BJ Penn fights. But back then, so I was seeing those fights. And I was like, oh, they have weight classes now. And then right about this time was when YouTube was really getting hot. So you could actually YouTube fighters and stuff. So I see YouTube all the guys at 145 pounds because the UFC was just introducing 155 pounds at the time. I was like, man, I'm, I'm still not big enough for that one. I need to find one underneath. So I would look, and so a lot, I would look at a lot of Shudo stuff. And the Shudo guys, you know, the Japanese, at you know, uh, had smaller stature people, and they are already doing mixed martial arts before it was kind of introduced to us, is they had the lighter guys. So those were the guys I was looking at and kind of like, all right, yeah, maybe I could do this. Like, these guys are doing it. They're around my size. They find guys my size. Maybe this I could do this this type of thing. But even still, I wasn't too interested in it. What was the thing that kind of took you over the edge to decide, okay, now I'm going to go do this this crazy new sport? Man, you know what? I had um fractured my thumb. I was boxing. I hurt my thumb real bad. Actually, both of them. And uh, I just had a lot of... I was having a lot of hand issues, and I was, so I was taking a break. And I remember I was just sitting down, my like, just relaxing, kicking back with my friends and stuff. And But I had always been known to be an athlete. Like, guys working out, like, oh, man, Matt gets up, works out. Before we go work out as a group, we get off. First thing he does is go work out. I'm always working out, working out, you know, running around, boxing, doing all type of stuff, watching what I eat. And I just kind of, like, let myself go. Like, let myself go, you know? Sure. So I'm just, yeah. just kicking back, eating, and I'm only working out twice a day. And I'm not really doing much. And one friend comes to me, and he goes... Man, you look like shit. Like, he just says that to him. <laughs> look like shit. And I was like, what? Kind of taken back. Like, damn. I like shit, for real. And I was like, man, you know, I like to, you know, I used to wrestle. So let me find something close to wrestling. And I couldn't find any wrestling clubs. I was like, man, I'll do some judo. I'll do some judo. It'd be cool. <laughs> Ended up, um, you know, how the internet was, like, back then. Crazy even saying that right now is that even if I found something that I was like, okay, this address is here. I don't exactly know where it is. But I can go to, um, like, MapQuest and stuff and be like, all right, how far am I really from there? You know, you kind of look through the MapQuest. And sometimes you go through with this, sometimes you don't. But now technology, if I want to find, I just put on my phone, jump in my car, and I'm gone. You know yeah. what I mean? I follow Siri because I have an iPhone tell me where to go. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot easier, a lot more access. So I started um, 
I got lost. Actually, I was coming from the beach one day, and I got off on the wrong exit, and I was heading down back to Chesapeake through uh, Witch Duck. Witch Duck turns into Kempsville. And as I was passing through Kempsville in Providence, I saw the sign for uh, Lynx. I think it said, it might have said, like, karate or something. No, I think it said jiu-jitsu, but it might have said karate. I can't remember yeah. what the exact sign said. The exterior sign said, and I was like, oh, that's that place I was looking at. But in actuality, what I was looking at was hybrid. I was looking at hybrid, but when I passed the link sign, I thought it was the same sign. Like, I thought it was the same place. Oh, wow. So think, yeah, so when I when I went back home and I remember being like, okay, like, I'm thinking about, all right, just go straight on Kemsel. And the Kemsel basically took me back to where I lived in Greenbrier. And I was all right. So the next day, I was on, like, a little date or whatever. So the next day, I go back. I want to say with like two of my friends, I go back. I'm like, man, I found this gym. We can do some jujitsu. Let's go, you know, let's go train. And we go up and I remember we got like the intro class and, um, uh, Master Luis, uh, was, was teaching. And I remember just what, like looking at him teaching. I remember trying to count the stripes on his, uh, black belt. And it was so many of them. I couldn't count them. And I kept like for now, I'm trying to count them. And then guys like, Oh, you guys want to, um, you want to train? I don't mean before they, it, was, it wasn't even like, all right, you can do a free class, whatever. It was like, hey, you want to sign up? I was like, yeah, I don't need to do a class. Yeah, sign up. <laughs> I'm down. Yeah, yeah, I'm down. Where did I sign? One friend's like, ah, oh, you know, we'll come back. We'll see. And I was like, all right, cool. You know, one of my friends, actually Christian Diaz, he was with me at the time. And um, he almost kicks himself in the butt for not starting. I mean, he's a brown belt now. He's I mean, soon to be black, but I'm, I'm sure. But um, we were there at the same time, you know, he, he decided not to come. So I was just me by myself and just training. And after training there for a while, uh, one of my main professors was Nestor Bayot. He owns Coastal BJJ now, but at the time he was the Lynx. The thing was like WKA coming up. And he was just like, you know, if we have anybody that wants to fight, Mac. And I was like, like kind of like saying my name in the line. I was kind of like, oh, no, 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 no. not me. No. <laughs> I came here to do some jujitsu, some grappling. I like this. This is fun. Like, yeah. <laughs> no stress. I'm chilling. Let me go to these little tournaments. We beat people up. It's fun. And he just kept saying it and kept saying it. And I was kind of like, you know what, man? He probably thinks I'm scared and shit. Like, I'm not a punk. So I was like, all right, cool. I was like, yeah. I was like, that's the thing you'll do. I was like, yeah, I'll do one. You know, I wasn't thinking much. I was yeah, I'll do one. Yeah. Not really knowing. I mean, I've boxed. I've wrestled. I was in jujitsu tournaments. Not knowing, I was kind of like, creating that stage to be, you know, ultimately putting it all together and doing MMA. But I think the the tie boxing part, the kicking and the kneeing was the part that scared me the most. So I know how hard a punch hurts. I was like, man, you might as well just kick you in the head or knee you in the face. Yeah. I don't want to mess my face up and I'm just, you know, thinking about the face in this. But that was the one that pushed me on the edge. If Nestor, if Nestor never, if he didn't badger me and, like, put me out there in front of everybody, I wouldn't have done it. I don't think I would have done it. So I owe him a lot That's for funny. my current success. That's funny because that's pretty much how we got Nestor in the ring. You know, Nestor was the jujitsu guy who surfed and he knew one of the guys that was a fighter there, Scott Turner. Mm -hmm. And uh, Scott was my coach. Nestor was a grappler that kind of came in and, you know, rolled with the guys. And, and then all of a sudden, one day we found out that he had some hands. He had boxed before. And we're like, hey, man, you should fight. And it was like, no, no, I'm not going to do it. And eventually... I think he was yeah. saying, no, I'm not going to do it as we were pushing him into the ring. You're not really going to want to. All right, fine. Yeah. So that was the WK. Was that the, that was the national tournament, wasn't it? Is that yeah. where you fought your first MMA fight? Yeah. So, yeah, I was fighting my first MMA fight um, against a kid from 
Sikund, I forget the name of it, but it was his dad's um, martial Mike, arts. Mikeito, that yeah, Mikeito, yeah, Hess, and, uh, Brett Hess, Brent Hess, and I remember the. Uh, so we're at the showplace. This is mentioned. I said the showplace was. I don't know if it's still in there. Like we're at the showplace doing the show, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember being like, we get warmed up, and I was there with my friend. Um, Chris Gonzalez. So was, him and I were supposed to be doing MMA. We had guys doing tie boxing. We had guys just doing the grappling. So Chris got an opening match. So he got a fight before. And it was like, cool, all right. Chris got the fight. And I'm going to fight next. Oh, now we're both in the finals. My fight went straight to the finals because no one else was in the advanced division for um, my weight class. And uh, so I ended up fighting Brent Hess, who had won the tournament the year before. So it was kind of like rolling out. Not only do you get a fight, like you get an experienced guy who's been fighting like his whole life. And now, okay, ready, set, go fight. And I remember just being so amped up. And I remember looking on the list that the guy was going to fight. And I was like, ain't no guy named Brent going to beat me. <laughs> I was like, no, no, you know, being all tough. Uh, and it was, I mean, it was, it was, it was fun. It was, um, I just remember, I remember the first combination I just hit him with. It was, I threw like a, a jab, then I threw an uppercut, and then I threw a hook, and it hit him. Boom, and then a right hand, and boom, he started to fall. He, like, grabbed me, and we're all, like, tussling and going in the cage, not the cage. I just remember it was just, like, savagery. It was just so much fun. Yeah. After, after, I was like, man, this is cool. And then you get the classic, you know, as soon as you get done fighting, everybody's like, when's your next fight? And I was like, damn, I'm supposed to do one. I'm not supposed to do no more. <laughs> but I was kind of like, well, I don't know. You know, I was trying to play it off. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, it, that, was, uh, that was my first, yeah, fight. Training for it was, you know, super hard. It was like one of those where we're like kind of blind leading the blind because it's our first, you know, you know, after like a lot of the OG guys weren't fighting anymore. It's like the first time like Wings had a group of guys fighting. And um, so it was, I'm going to say it was blind leading the blind, but we were doing a lot of extra work. Yeah. Like I remember being on weight like five days before, you know, <laughs> I fought at 143, even though I probably started when I started training, you know, in the 55s, but. We're just training so hard and and getting after it and just you know just doing what we're supposed to do. It was it was a fun time. Yeah, that was um, that sounds like the old school like link links approach to to training because I was like the last of the the old school squad to fight, um, mm-hmm. and I remember training like like Frank. Coochie used to call like fighting literally was the day off from training. And that was true because we trained like up until if the fight was on Saturday, we trained until Friday, a hundred miles an hour. And then we jumped in the ring and that was like our only day off. And yeah. I don't even remember having weight classes, like whatever weight you are, that's what you're going to fight, which yeah. sounds like you guys carried on the tradition. <laughs> yeah. I remember. Yeah. We were doing that for a long time. Not, I remember one day I was like, yeah, man, hold on. We got to talk about this. <laughs> they got like scientists behind this. They got like different ways to do this. Cause this is, this is killing me. Yeah. Every other weight class, every other sport has a taper off. And we're like banging till, till the very end, man. So they, uh, but I'm pretty sure it, uh, it, it, it makes you pretty mentally resilient though. Yeah, man, I'm getting there. I was like a dog, man. I just want to bite somebody. Like literally, I want to like attack, <laughs> like, just, like fight him. Like I want to attack him. But I just felt like all he would always say, like you know, I'm just like just make the other guy pay for it. Just make it. So I was to like correlate like all the pain I was going through. That was that person's fault. Like you know, I never met him, you know, before, and I'm like it's all their fault. <laughs> oh, so I would hate them with everything in my blood, and I would just go out there and try to like just do bad things to him. But then afterwards, I would always feel bad because I'm not like. 
I don't think like uh, taking advantage of people is cool. And for whatever reason, I don't like beat him up. I'm like, man, I just beat him up. Man, that wasn't even fair. I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean like beat you up like that. Like I always feel bad about it. I always like try to befriend them like after. Yeah. Like, man, cool. Like we're cool, right? Like I don't have a problem with you and stuff. But you know, when it was on before the fight, man, it was on. I was ready to fight. I was ready to fight in my weigh-ins. I didn't even care. Like that's how crazy I would get sometimes. Interesting. It's an interesting switch that a fighter can do to be able to like turn into a rabbit dog when that bell rings and then afterwards be completely cool with the guy. Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Um, that is that is crazy, you know, and it turns on for different people. And that's when I was like, I saw like, man, maybe I need to take a step back and fight when it wasn't, when I wasn't doing that anymore. And I wasn't like turning on like that. It was kind of like, all right, yeah, we're going to fight. Yeah, you're supposed to win. And, you know, and then like the adrenaline pump and, you know, the, the fear is not there anymore. It's just like another day, just whatever. And I was kind of like, I wasn't very comfortable with that. I was like, man, I don't, I don't know if that's the way I'm supposed to feel when I come out to a fight. But that ability to turn on and turn off to flip that switch is, is I think, is key in being able to keep enough intensity to keep on fighting as hard as you can for as long as you can mm-hmm. without without giving yourself time to think straight. You know, because if you just thought straight, if you stopped and really thought subjectively about it, you'd be like, I probably shouldn't be in here fighting. Like, it's kind of tough. Like, I'm going to ruin my body. And, you know, you'd find like a million reasons, intellectual reasons why you shouldn't do it. Um, and you just can't, you know, it's almost like in the recall. You just don't have time to be thinking about that. Like, you need to go out and you need to execute. Yeah. Right. If you stop the thing, you're going to get hurt, you know, hurt, you'll get somebody else hurt. I always wanted to ask you about that because I've, I've I've coached a bunch of different fighters who came to that threshold of like, do I even want to do this anymore? And often the thing I hear is like you at some point you lose a little bit of that hunger. Like, mm-hmm. like why why am I doing this? I used to be in here to prove something and it literally did feel a little bit like life or death. And then when you lose that, it's like, okay, do I really want to do this anymore? Yeah. I'm right to get that from um from a couple people, like a couple different perspectives. In that, one was, <clears throat> I remember when I first started to fight, and, like, in the beginning, like, I didn't want to lose so bad. I didn't want to lose so bad. I wouldn't even tell people I was fighting. Like, people would ask me, like, in different areas, like, at work or just, you know, my family. I would never tell them. Like, they would just, like, see it. You know, this is, like, back in the MySpace days. see it, like, on MySpace. My like, did you fight last week? I saw a picture of you, like, fighting some guy. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. Like, just don't completely downplay it. But I was just, like, so afraid of like what could happen you know what i mean like if it didn't go my way or um getting hurt real bad and just stuff like that like i just never told nobody and i think people took it like like two ways they were thinking about one that i was being like arrogant and i didn't want to talk about it or two i was very or i was ashamed of what i was doing it's kind of like but it was kind of more like an in-between like i didn't really want to talk about it because i didn't want to i just didn't want to talk about it like it was like all i do is think about it and think about it and think about it. i wake up in the middle of the night thinking about fighting right. can't get back to sleep you know what i mean and i'm just like up thinking about my opponent and all this other stuff like when i get out and i get like to the beach i don't want to talk about fighting i don't want to talk about it. like this is my decompress i'm gonna have to go back to that world and be there for the next six days you know until i get my sunday off yeah. so that was that was you know one thing for me when I stopped feeling that way I was kind of like man I, I don't know like when I started enjoying the time off more than I, I enjoyed the training 
is when I was like, maybe it's time I need to I need to chill. Even though I was winning, I was like, ah, it's just not the same. You know what I mean? I could get my now I could get myself in some trouble. Yeah. If I'm if I'm not keyed up the way I'm supposed to be, or the you know the things I was going through, mental checks I was making to make sure I was keyed up to a certain intensity before the fight. When that shit's not working, like I'm having to manufacture, I'm having to like making some stuff up to try to get myself keyed up. It was like, oh man, I don't know if this is working. You know, it's like an actor trying to make themselves cry, yeah. and I have no motivation to make themselves cry. And they're like, oh, hold on, I dropped something. Oh, let me get right, like. My, it ain't working no more, guys. I don't know. I got to find something new. Yeah. So that's when I was starting to get to that point when I was, like, slowing down with the fighting. So you, um, from your your amateur career to quick rise to the professional career and then eventually getting a shot at the WEC and fighting Wagner Fabiano, and he was – was he the champion at the time or up-and-coming champion? He was the IFL champion, and he was, like – he was basically being groomed to be that champion. He had one fight before, I think, and it was supposed to be, he was supposed to have another fight, and then he was going to fight for the title because he was ranked, I think, number two. And he was only number two behind Uriah. Yeah, I think he was, like, number two behind Uriah in, like, um, the world rankings or something like that. Mm-hmm. Two or number three, yeah. And then you come out and shock the world. <laughs> yeah. With the up kick to a triangle choke against the pretty high-class black belt fighter yeah man that's um you know with the like that's just to show you how real jujitsu is in that especially and then jujitsu is almost different and like if you're boxing and you're a good boxer and you have a wealth of experience um and you fight a guy even though the guy's good and he's younger he's less experienced maybe the guy's faster than you, he's stronger than you, but your experience can carry you over time and you'll beat them. Sometimes you'll make them look bad. You know, Floyd Mayweather is a good example. He beats guys routinely younger, bigger, stronger, faster than because of the experience and his ability to move, his, <clears throat> his comfortability in moving uh, in the ring under those circumstances. <clears throat> and a lot of times when you're fighting and you're young, you're just reacting. Like mm-hmm. you're not thinking ahead of two or three. You're not setting up. You're just going. You see it, you go. You see it, you go. You just go. And you're kind of using your youth to beat a lot of people. Jiu-jitsu is different, though. Like, the guy's old-er, right? But not old, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's been training a lot more than you. Like, when they grab you, it's hard. It's harder to beat guys, experienced guys in, in jiu-jitsu. It's almost impossible to do it in striking. But in jiu-jitsu, it's very, very hard. And if you grapple, you understand when you roll with your black belt. So I'm a purple belt. He's a whatever-degree black belt. And, but, you know, me and Nestor, we were training a lot together and we just had been training and I was, and that fight was short notice. So I was actually training for a different fight and then I came up and I, I took it probably like two weeks, three weeks notice. That means like really two weeks of training. Mm-hmm. And, um, we just kept working that we'd worked that for probably like two years. And we worked that situation, that scenario, that finish, the, the, the adjustments to make on the triangle for a long time before, you know, that particular moment happened. And we had a, even in the back talk about it. I remember Miguel Torres was in my corner. He was the WC. Uh, no, he had actually just lost his title. But he was a longtime uh, WC Bantamweight champion. And he was like, you know what? He's like, even if you get him in a triangle, he's like, he's probably going to get out. You know, he has a lot of problems. Just start elbowing and try to cut him up and do as much damage as you can. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah. So actually in the beginning... When I get him in the triangle, I try to elbow him. I'm like, oh, he's going to get out. And I start trying to elbow him and try to cut him up. And I was like, 
I think it's pretty tight. So I start making my adjustments. Yeah. So I had it. I was like, oh, he's not going to get out. I was like, I'll hold this for a day. I don't care. I'm not going to let go no matter what. My legs will fall off. Yeah. And I, and I, and I had good angles, man, and uh, made it happen. You had a guy tapped. But something interesting he told me, and I still carry that today when I'm training with my students, is that he said that he had, he had um, the technique caught him by surprise, and his escapes were slow because he, had, he hadn't been caught in a triangle in so long. Not that he hadn't tapped in the position. He just had not been caught in that. He hadn't been put in that position in so long that his reactions were slower. Wow. You know? And I think that's uh, for, because, uh, you know, unlike um, like boxing or, you know, a lot of striking arts is that the, the in jiu-jitsu, your coach, your black belt, your instructor, whomever, will actually train with you live, 100%, right? Mm-hmm. Give you 100%, you know, they'll give you, they'll give you their 100 or whatever close to it. <clears throat> what they have, and those people are usually a little bit older. I mean, it depends what you're talking about. You're talking about athletes, but you should be a better athlete than your coach, especially if you're young, you're strong, and da-da-da-da-da-da. Athletically, you have the advantage. In jiu-jitsu, you just don't get it. Like, the, the instructor can avoid so much if he wants to. Like, if he wants to not roll with the strongest, the best students, he can not roll. No one can say anything to him. If he wants to get in position, just kind of control guys and not let them grab submissions and and kind of work his way out. And as every time, and the longer he does that, the lower his level gets when he gets to high level competition. When guys can actually go really fast, right, and give a hundred percent, and they're you know close to the skill level. That when they catch you in these submissions, you haven't seen an arm lock you haven't seen in a long time, a corner you haven't seen in a long time. It's hard to get out if you got to think your way through. So, I think that's one thing. Post him saying that, I've, I've taken ways to always kind of, even when guys are uh, not on my level as far as grappling, like just having the experience or the technique, I still let them catch me in certain situations, and I try my best to get out. Majority of the time I get out. Sometimes you don't get out. But I log it. I log it. You know, I, I, I rarely get caught with something twice if I'm training from the same person. They do it once, I got it. Like yeah. the next time you go, you're not. Or even if we talk about it before, like, oh, man, I'm hitting this sweet arm lock from this side. Everybody. I'm like, really? Now, when we go train when you go that side, I'm going to shut it down because now I remember. As soon as I see you, that's the first thing I'm thinking of. That arm lock from that side, I know you're going to try it on me. Yeah. So That's a great um, mentality to take as a black belt to kind of put yourself in almost white belt situations mm-hmm. so that you still keep that aspect of you sharp. Because you're right, like it, it's, it's easy for a black belt instructor to avoid those situations. Like I know even if rolling with like you know, guys lower than you all the time, it's like you may never see a triangle. You may never be put in a triangle for like a year, mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. Right? And then all of a sudden you're in a match and you're caught, and now you have to think about it. Exactly. Not only having to defend against a triangle, but a deep triangle at that. If you don't practice that or you don't put yourself in those situations, you know, you can lose it. You can lose a step or two. Yeah. So you, um, when you were talking about losing kind of the – a little bit of the motivation and the drive was that was that happening before you went into the WCUFC or were you getting that as you started kind of climbing the ladder? I think probably I started to kind of feel it, but I kind of, I don't know if it was frustration after I lost to because I fought I, I beat um, him then I fought um, uh, I always have a hard time remembering that guy's Davidius Torvikius I remember his name Davidius. But you leading up to that fight, I got hurt. I hurt my knee. And I was kind of like, man, I hurt my knee, hurt my MCL. 
But I was still trying to work around and train the best I could. But it was, like, a lot of things I couldn't do that I normally do. And I never pulled out a fight or nothing like that. I never had an issue before a fight. So I kind of was like, you know, I'll just keep going and I'll just keep submitting because I was beating everybody, finishing everybody. I was like, I'll just finish this guy too. Not a big deal. It's going to the fight. You know, me and this guy are, are fighting and stuff. And then, you know, the fight's over and I end up losing. Like, I really didn't put it on until, like, the end of the fight. Now I had him in a couple finishing positions. I just couldn't finish. You know, he was hanging on because he knew he was winning mm-hmm. on points. And uh, I remember after that fight, I was a little frustrated. And then I fought, and I made some changes in camp. And then I started going out to um, Chicago train with Team Curran. And it was just so hard. I remember the first, I went out there two weeks. It was probably a mistake. I should have gone out before to kind of get a feel for it. And then, but the pace was just so hard. It was training like maybe like four sessions a day. It was like hard, you know. And I wasn't like, it was my first time out. So I wasn't like, I didn't know where to go to eat. Like everything was a little bit off. And I ended up fighting, uh, Javier Vasquez is a very good black belt, too. Mm-hmm. Fighting him and ended up uh, losing to him. And I'm, I was so frustrated. I just felt like I didn't fight. Like, the fight went into the second round. You know, catching me with a rear neck. I made a mistake coming up and trying to stand up off the cage. And then uh, he caught me with a choke. I defended it and he transitioned. It was beautiful. But remember, after that fight, I was, like, sitting back at home. And I didn't know if I was frustrated from losing or if I was really starting not to feel it. But I think... Um, that's when I started making plans. Like, okay, I need to start thinking past just fighting. Because fighting was never really like, oh, I was growing up, I want to be this fighter. Like, this is what I want to do. So my job, my point is always, I just want to be successful whatever I chose to do. Just want to be good at something and, you know, keep moving forward. And that's when I started thinking of my other options. You know, I need, or I need to start planning to go to school. I need to start, all right, what do I want to do when I get out of school? Do I want to own some stuff? And I, you know, and I start making this plan in my head. And that is once I start having more options is once I start feeling like, mm, you know, you start kind of cooling down. And for this whole time I was training, I probably didn't have a girlfriend in like five years. Like I just was on, I was just training. I didn't, like I wasn't, I wasn't in any type of relationship, nothing like that. And I kind of was like, ah, I'm going to start getting me a little girlfriend or whatever, <laughs> you know. And I start like, and for all the time that I lived here, I lived here a couple years, you know, since then, you know, like years, but I'd never been anywhere. Like, in the city, I didn't notice it. Like, oh, you live over here? Like, where? I'm like, I don't know where it is. I don't know. I just thought I'd get from there to work, to the gym, to the grocery store. And that's what I knew. Like, I didn't go anywhere. Like, I was, or, you know, like, one or two night spots, like, where my friends would go, you know, once in a while. But I never really enjoyed anything in the city besides bars at night, if that, if I even went. Once I started enjoying, like, more of the culture in the city and, and doing things and, and getting outside of my normal self, is when I was like, damn, it's more to do than just fighting. And, you know, then I started to get anxiety from fighting because I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like, I'd feel normal, and then as soon as I would get a call from my, my manager, Brian Butler, about, like, all right, we're going to fight this dude. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'd feel excited, and then instantly I'd feel anxiety. Like, ah, oh, man, I could feel it in my chest. I couldn't think. Like, everything I did, I thought about the fight, even while I was doing it, you know? Yeah. For eight, nine weeks at a time, to make you crazy. So that's when I started kind of being like, mm, I don't know. But I was still getting excited. I remember I was fighting um, Cub Swanson. I remember in the middle of the fight, we're fighting, and that was a crazy fight. I ended up winning five nights. We're fighting, beating the shit out of each other. We're up, we have him up against the cage, and I remember I, I like, knee him, and I was, like, close to his cup, and I said, sorry. Like, as soon as I kneed him, I was like, boom, and I was like, oh, sorry. And I was just like, I was like, and I remember thinking in my head, like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> 
but I say sorry. And then I was, I was start thinking, and then, and no, like, in, like, I think it was like in the second round or something, I started thinking, like, I said, I don't even have to be here if I don't want to be here. Like, I'm grown. Like, I can, like, I don't even have to be here. I remember thinking that in the fight. Yeah. It didn't stop me from fighting as hard as I could fight, but I remember just thinking that, like, for a split second. But then, you know, then the fight goes on, whatever, and then we had a great time. We partied, and I was, like, the best, whatever. I fully expected, like, all right, that was going to be it. I was going to be cut, and I was going to go back to just being normal, being regular. Well, get a call from Brian, like, two weeks later, like, yeah, I'm going to the UFC, da-da-da-da. And I was like, oh, first I was kind of like, okay, cool. Then I was like, oh, shit, this is big. Like, this is awesome. You know, I think then I fought again, and then probably once I um, was not fighting the UFC anymore, and I fought once in the XFL in Chicago. And uh, same thing. I had another moment like that. Like, what am I doing here? Middle of the fight, I'm winning the fight. I'm beating this guy. I'm like, I'm like, what am I doing here? Then after I finished the fight, I was kind of like, go back in the party mode. I don't really think about it. And then I fought again in Richmond, like, uh, you know, a couple months later. And then um, after the fight in Richmond, uh, I remember, like, in the fight, I remember I tried to kick the guy in the head. He ducks. I turn completely around. He, like, grabs me from behind. But I remember being like, you know, kind of like, you know, it's okay. You know, it's not going to do anything. To, like, no concern of being like, man, I should really be trying to get out of this. Like, picks me up. He tries to take me down. I end up reversing. And then if I end up finishing him, too. And then that's when I was thinking, like, I remember being at home post that when I was kind of like, man, I was not queued up at all. Like, I didn't feel anything. Like, when we first started, I just felt cold. I was like, I, I think that's it, you know. But then I scheduled another fight. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'm going to make this fight happen. And I was like, whatever. And I was training for it and training for it. And I got really sick. I'm getting like a, um, like an ulcer in my stomach. What I was doing was from the time I was an amateur all the way until, so like for five years maybe, almost six years, I think it was, while I was fighting, I would take Motrin every day. But not like, you got like 800 milligram Motrin, mm-hmm. 800 milligram, and I used to get that a lot. Like I would get uh, given to me. I'm prescribed giving to me, and I was like, okay, cool, this works. But then what ended up happening was when I couldn't get any more, I would just substitute. So I would take four 200 milligrams, four 200 milligrams, which is not the same. There's a lot of motion. It's not the same as taking 800. I'm thinking, well, 200 times four, you got 800, but it's not the same. And, it, you know, it was doing, like, bad things to my stomach. Then I was going to fight this kid named something, Hobbit. Like, that was the only time I really like, getting to, like, a little internet beef with somebody, and I was like, Time I came, I was gonna do bad things to him. <laughs> I like, I remember I wrote it and then I pressed, you know, send. And I was like, shit, delete, 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 delete. <laughs> but some people already saw it. Some people was like, oh, like, oh, what are you? And I was like, it was like out of my character to do something. Like, even if I was frustrated, I wouldn't outwardly say that to somebody. And I was like, man, I'm being mean. Let me delete that. And uh, end up um, having to go to the hospital, having to go to the hospital and. You know, then I had, like, a whole bunch of complications of stuff after that. I went to the hospital for that. Then I had a bulging disc in my neck, and I was getting uh, treatment for that. But when you get the treatment I was using was uh, pregnizone in the pill form. And what they do is if pregnizone and pill form works for you, then they give you, eventually give you an injection if you need it. Pill form was working for me. It was working great. My neck was good. You know, and I've been dealing with a lot of injuries. I was like, oh, yeah, I can move my neck. I'm good. And then... um. I got off of, I think it was Hurricane Isabel. I think it gave, it made me, uh, what's it, what's it called? When you're all like crazy and stuff, made me, uh, paranoid. Mm. So I would like say something. 
I'm like, man, this hurricane's gonna blow the house down. And then like three, I'm really in my all my heart, I'm like, yo, this. And I'll be like, and you know, I just like got a place Charlottesville, and I like grab my kids, and I boom, I go to Charlottesville, like I get away from this hurricane within like ten hours. Then I kept doing that, and I was like, dude, what is wrong with me? Like I kept. So I started looking the medication up and looking the the side effects, and I was one of the side effects. I never had side effects from medication. I was like, I can't be taking this, so I stopped taking it. But the thing with prednisone is that you have to, you slowly start to increase your doses until you get to your optimal dose, and you take it. When you come off, you have to come off, but you can't just cold turkey, yeah. right? So I did that. Of course, I just said I'm not taking this shit no more. That's enough, and that's makes me. It made me really sick. And I don't know what produces. Um, like the anti-inflammatory whatever in your body, but I think that prednisone did something to my body in that my body was not producing at the rate it was supposed to be producing that because everything hurt my body. Like, I would bump into the door like normal, like, oh, boom, and I feel like my fingers got broke. You know what I mean? Like, it was just really, really bad for probably a couple of months, and I was really fatigued, and when I thought I had cancer, I was like, dude, I think I have fucking cancer in my stomach. Like, I was, like, that's how I was starting to feel. And, um... You know, it just it just took some time. I just got healthy again. It was like a weird sick. I was sick, but it was like you couldn't. I wasn't coughing or you couldn't see it. I was just tired, you know. And I was always known for having really good conditioning. I'd roll two rounds and I'd be like, like having to sit out. Like it was just that bad. I feel I would have to stop rolling altogether. I couldn't spar because I just couldn't take it. I would spar one round. I feel all dizzy and I was like, you know, I was like, dude, I think I have. And I would tell myself, I, said, I think I have cancer. But I didn't have cancer. I don't have cancer. Yeah, not good, right? <laughs> so, like, all these, like, all these signs kind of accumulated to a, a, a point where you decided, like, this isn't what I want to do anymore. Yeah. Well, then my other, yeah, the other avenues started to open up, you know, because I was always, like, I don't know, I was one of those guys, I knew nothing lasts forever. I knew nothing, you can't do nothing forever. And you always, if you don't want to end up on the short end, you always have to set yourself up for the next thing. And I was a big boxing fan my whole life so i would always watch boxers and they'd be like rich did it and he's like broke over here and he's like rich i thought he had used that all these millions of dollars now he's broke and you would kind of see that cycle of guys doing you know mismanaging their money overspending not being prepared for what's going to happen next so i started preparing myself for what was you know what i thought was was best for myself and i was like i need to get my well not i need to get my black belt. he just can't go buy one but i was like i need to make sure i focus my training on my jiu-jitsu i need to make sure i'm doing what i need to do at work to put myself in position to eventually have my own, um, to include education. So once I started doing that, I was kind of like, there's no reason for me to fight anymore. Like, I wasn't trying to prove I was tough anymore. People knew I was tough. Um, the paychecks out of the USC weren't the same, so it wasn't like I was doing it for money anymore. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, and it wasn't, and it was never a thing that, and it was funny because I, I never did it as like a full-time thing. It was always like, I mean, I gave it full-time effort, but it was always like, Something I did besides all the teaching and the work I was doing already. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it was like right about right about that time. You know, you start kind of feeling down. You start getting sick a little bit. And you just like put yourself through all this pain. And the reward on the end was not worth me going through the pain anymore. All right, everyone. Once again, a great interview with one of my good friends, Mac and Simmerzer. Uh, can't wait to release the second part of this where he goes into his Brazilian jiu-jitsu career and his new life as a martial artist. Don't forget we have the Costa Rica retreat coming up December 6th through the 13th. I'm taking a really small group of people to Costa Rica to do Muay Thai, yoga, surfing, the works. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be a great time. 
I'm looking forward to being able to impact lives in a wonderfully tropical place, which if you guys know me, I love being somewhere tropical because I hate cold weather. So hope to see you guys there soon. Once again, stay on the lookout for part two. And I want to remind everyone to embrace the warrior within. Take care. For retreat, seminar, and workshop information, visit me on the web at www.fuckgrant.com.